Welcome to the Center in the City podcast. I'm your host, Wade Brill, and during this series, I'll be interviewing various thought leaders, wellness experts, and humans on how they practice sustainable self-care and mindfulness. We'll get real and raw, talk about the light and the shadow side of self-care and mindfulness, and how we can actually stay centered amid the chaos and the hustle and bustle of our modern day world. So settle in and get centered. This podcast episode is brought to you by Centered in the City, a virtual on-demand self-care and mindfulness platform with over 200 different meditations, journaling prompts, nourishing recipes, and Pilates flows, all designed to support you feeling calm, focused, and energized as you live your life in this modern day world. For more information, head on over to centeredinthecity.org and claim your seven-day free trial. Welcome back to the Centered in the City podcast. Today I'm doing another solo episode, and as you can tell, I am still nursing a cold. So this will be a slightly more nasaled, raspy recording, and today we're talking about movement. One of the questions I get asked by friends over the years has been, you know, how are you so consistent with movement? And, you know, or wait, I want abs like yours or whatever it is. And so I thought it would be helpful to just talk about my relationship to movement, to exercise, and how I've incorporated it into my life. I hope you take this episode on a walk or while you're cooking dinner or a bath and just allow yourself to flow with my reflections, with my sharing, notice what comes up for you, notice what comes alive for you. And I hope you leave this episode with a lot of takeaways. So let's settle in and let's get centered. A quote I've shared with my Center City community and on Instagram is when we mindfully move, the mind settles. Now, if I were to hear somebody say that 15 plus years ago, I would be like, what the F are you talking about? My relationship to movement was never about mental health and about feeling good when I first began my journey. I grew up in a family that was very athletic. My mom was very athletic. She was waking up early in the mornings to go swimming before taking us all to school, still wet and in her bathrobe and bathing suit. And she was doing yoga before people knew what yoga was in the Western world. And so I grew up with this gift of a movement and she was a model for movement. However, I didn't want to move. I also grew up with a dad who loved to walk. He would park his car in a parking lot the furthest spot possible and make us walk to the front of the store. And I never understood why. Or when we would be in New York City together, we would end up walking miles and miles. And it was exhausting as a young kid. And I had resentment towards it. So I really didn't like to move. Until one day when I was about 
13, 14, I had this realization. I remember looking around my apartment in New York City on a weekend day and not seeing anybody in the house. I was home alone and all I was doing was lying on the couch watching TV. And yeah, that felt good, but I also remember it hitting this place of not feeling good. All of my family members were out doing something physical. Like my sister was on a run, my mother was at yoga class, my brother was maybe at football practice or or doing something active, one of his sports. And it was this aha realization that if I want to spend time with my family, I have to learn how to move and how to enjoy going to the gym. So we luckily had a gym in our building, very minimal gym. And I remember starting to try to go to the gym with family members where my brother was maybe lifting weights and I would be on the elliptical or the Stairmaster and maybe last for 10 minutes before getting bored. But it was my opportunity to try to bond with my family. And then probably a year later, all family members got gym memberships. And I was still slightly too young to have a gym membership, but I became their guest and would go with them maybe once a weekend to the gym. And it became like this family outing, this family activity together. And so I really started to enjoy it. I have memories of walking on the treadmill on an incline while like my brother's in the weight area. I have memories of doing classes with my sister. I have memories of doing yoga with my mom. And so it was just this opportunity to start to bond with family members over this hobby of exercise and movement. And after I started to get into this practice, I noticed it started to feel really good. I started to feel less stress. I have TMJ, so I hold a lot of tightness in my jaw and I could feel my jaw soften. I felt these happy endorphins floating through my body. I was like, oh, this is great. I also noticed that I was hungrier, which I loved because I love food. And so it felt exciting to eat meals and really be able to enjoy them on a different level. And so this was a gateway to me getting into movement. It's interesting because my sister became a certified yoga teacher. My mom was deeply obsessed with yoga. Our Manny at the time, John, was a yoga teacher. So I grew up with a lot of yogis and I wanted my own thing. So I tried Pilates when I was 14 at my high school. My gym teacher was offering Pilates. She had recently just become certified and I fell in love. I loved how Pilates was all about finding stability and strength in the core and finding length in our limbs and in our spine and feeling like I could walk around like a ballerina. I loved how it felt to sit up tall and have this open posture and this sense of grounded presence that Pilates built within my body. I loved the mind-body connection that I really had to turn on awareness of these little, little muscles in my body and pay attention to what am I engaging to really move and 
go through these motions with control. And my love for Pilates expanded away from just mat Pilates and I love being able to do privates when I could afford them, working one-on-one with instructors to really help me think about my core on a deeper level and think about spine mobility and stability. Movement for me at this period of my life was expanding from just now hanging out with family to my own self-discovery. I started to explore group classes, deepen my practice of Pilates, tried spinning, tried weightlifting. And it's funny to me because I didn't love yoga at the time. So it's funny to look back and just think about how was I moving my body at that time? It was a lot of elliptical, a lot of Pilates, a lot of walking on an incline or walking on a treadmill. I didn't really enjoy running. And I was moving because it now felt good. And I noticed it felt good because I was also getting stronger. And I noticed what having strength in my body felt like and how that also created strength in my mind. Later in high school, when I was a senior, we got to do senior projects where we could do anything we wanted. And I decided to wear a pedometer back in the day when they're straight up like these big chunky beeper looking things. Nothing sexy like a Fitbit or Apple Watch. And my goal was to walk a minimum of 10,000 steps a day to raise money for childhood diabetes. And this was where I fell in love with walking. This practice opened my eyes to how we can get to places that we didn't think were possible just by walking and being on our own two feet. How much freedom there was in walking. Yes, does it take longer? Of course it does. But I would find a way to make it worth it. And I noticed I started to walk home from school or walk to school. And yeah, it might take 30 minutes longer, but planning that in didn't bother me. I noticed how much better I felt when I got to school or when I walked home or when I walked those 10,000 steps a day. I noticed how much more connected and aware of my body I became. And I took this walking obsession with me to college where freshman year at the University of Michigan, I was on North Campus, which was like a 10, 15 minute bus ride from Central Campus where all of or most of the classes are. And the buses were so packed that I was like, this is not worth it. So I started walking to and from North to Central Campus. And I remember people being amazed when I told them that. It was like a 30-ish, 35-minute walk. And it just blew people's minds that I would walk that distance. And being a New Yorker, you're used to walking a lot. But walking as just pure form of transportation just blows people who don't live in big cities, especially outside of New York, it blows their mind. People are so used to jumping in the cars or in public transportation to get 
where they need to go. I'd say college is where I started to use movement as more as a social connection. I would go to the gym with girlfriends or I would catch up with other girlfriends at the gym while we're on the elliptical. I would intentionally plan my days around when I was going to work out. You know, when you're in college, you have a little bit more flexibility of your schedule than when you're in high school. And so I think about, okay, you know, between which breaks between classes do I want to go to the gym? And I made an intentional effort to do something moving my body every day. And that included football Saturdays. Some of my friends would make fun of me, lovingly make fun of me, that I would get up early when everybody was already starting to pregame for the football games and go to a spin class or a Pilates class and then meet everybody at the tailgate right before the game. But that was always more important to me than the partying, than the social connection. I really started to realize that moving my body in intentional ways changed my mental health. It allowed me to have more energy, less anxiety, allowed me to feel more present. Adding movement into my day was really non-negotiable. It was just as important to me as going to class. Now, if you're like, okay, Wade, great, that sounds lovely, but but having that type of motivation is not easy for me. And I totally hear you. You are not alone in that. For me, what was really driving my motivation to add movement was just how good it made me feel. And I realized that the type of movement that I did was coming from a place of want to. It wasn't coming from a place of should. It wasn't coming from a place of I have to. I have to move this much so that I can eat this much. It was coming from a place of feeling good. I noticed that I could actually feel the blood flow through my body more. And I was hungry to enjoy food. Food tasted better. And you know what? That was probably a huge, big piece of motivation for myself as well. Like I could actually enjoy food. I was hungry. I noticed what my body wanted to eat. And when I moved my body and I could pay attention, I then also was eating healthier food because I cared about my body feeling good. I also noticed it helped me manage stress, right? I had that less tension in my jaw. I was sleeping better. I was feeling the benefits of it. I was physically feeling them, physically, mentally, emotionally, and it felt tangible. I loved Pilates so much that when I was 19, I decided to become a certified Pilates teacher. And that was really the gateway that got me deeper into my own exploration of my body, helped me learn and observe people's bodies, working with them one-on-one and teaching group classes. And so I really got to get a deeper connection with movement, our physical 
mechanics, but also just the emotional mechanics behind movement and how that shows up in our life and how we store emotions in our body. And my world just really opened. I was teaching at Michigan. I was teaching when I lived abroad in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Movement became this gift that I discovered from originally wanting to connect with family to feeling the benefits to feeling really good and it being this gift that I now wanted to give back to others. I wanted to share it and so I loved being a teacher. In 2010 when I was going through chemotherapy, I really leaned on movement as a form of therapy. Showing up to the gym, keeping my body moving in ways that felt good were part of me helping myself. It was part of me taking charge of my health, of my well-being. I remember doing spin classes a few days after chemo, which was every two weeks, and smelling the chemo. This is maybe a little too gross to hear, but I just remember sweating out the chemo and feeling, feeling it be released from my body and thinking, oh my God, what a gift that I can offer this sense of cleanse for my body. What if I wasn't doing this? All of that would just continue to get stored in my body somewhere, somehow. And so it felt like a responsibility so movement while I was going through chemo became not only a form of therapy, but this responsibility that I had to my health, that I had to uh, part of getting better. Now, there became a point in my life where I would say it became a little bit of exercise addicted. I would get anxious about scheduling in my workouts and my mindful movement practices. If I didn't know when or how I was going to move my body, I would get anxious. I would feel this built up of energy inside of my mind and my body and it was waiting and impatiently trying to figure out when does it get released. And that was something really interesting to notice because I relied on pre-pandemic my routine of going to the gym for these classes every week. I was very consistent, you know, like, okay, Monday I'm doing this weight class, Tuesday I'm doing yoga, Wednesday I'm doing Pilates, right? I had a rhythm and I stuck to it. And yes, that rhythm was really helpful in creating a, a sense of consistency. However, what I noticed after the pandemic was how much I kind of used that structure as autopilot. I had those classes scheduled in my weeks and planned meetings and client calls and events to the best of my ability around those classes because I saw that time as sacred which is helpful in a certain way, but it became unhelpful, unskillful when I noticed it was kind of starting to control me. And the pandemic, having that rupture really helped me loosen the grip of this like 
when am I going to work out anxiety? And it allowed me to actually tune into my body and listen more intentionally about what my body needs. Because it might be a Tuesday where I'm supposed to do quote unquote yoga, but my body is actually telling me it wants to go for a run. And what do I do in that choice point? Do I do what was on autopilot? Or is this an opportunity for me to listen to my body and choose what it wants in that moment? So this had me realize that I could release control of feeling like I needed to have a super tight schedule when it came to movement and and exercise. And instead, it allowed me to think about movement as a ritual, as a ritual that I get to fill into my day and make it really this intentional space where I can tune into what my body needs in that moment. Because one day it might be Pilates and the next day it might still be Pilates and then the next day it actually might be dance or it might be a really long walk in nature or a hike or a bike ride. So tuning in to listen to my body was this huge transition point that shifted. It shifted my relationship to movement that it wasn't just something that I was then fitting in, but it was an opportunity for me to slow down life and listen inwards. And when I could listen inwards, I then could move my body in a way that my body was telling me it wanted to move. Culturally, I think there's this dogma that, you know, we have to move, we have to exercise, our bodies need it to be healthy. And, you know, there's a lot of truth in that, of course. But I think there's also a lot of pain there because we get trapped, and I say we as in kind of just cultural isms, we get trapped in thinking that movement needs to look a certain way. When in reality, it can look like many different things. I remember thinking that movement meant I needed to do cardio, right? In order to exercise, in order to add movement to my days meant I had to be doing cardio. I had to sweat. I had to get really sweaty. I had to increase my heart rate a lot. That meant I quote unquote moved or exercised for the day. And to be honest, that's not... That's not how I feel anymore. Movement is this opportunity to be in my body and let it have space and let the blood flow and increase flow in my lymphatic system and let my, you know, sweating obviously can feel really good sometimes and to let my body kind of process and detoxify. But exploring what my body needs has been this next level of movement for me. When we make movement a punishment, we're not going to do it. You know, if you are somebody that doesn't really like running and thinks you have to go run, like, why? That sounds horrible. You know, I maybe enjoy running two times a month, like it's not something I love to do every day or even once a week, but sometimes I do. I notice my body wants to run. It wants that deeper sweat. It wants that sense of freedom. It wants that runner's high. And some 
times it doesn't want that. And so listening to what our bodies are telling us is is helpful and it's not easy. And part of the process that I've designed for Centered in the City membership and our online community is building this mindfulness ritual so that we do have the opportunity to slow down, tune in, and ask our body what it needs, what it wants, how it wants to be expressed. You know, there's a lot of research out there around what helps people build habits and how do we really support people staying consistent with exercise. And there's you know some studies that find that people will stay consistent for the trial, but then you know a month later they drop off out of their exercise habit. And I think there's there's a lot of truth to that because if we fall off of our practices, I think there's a lot of shame that comes with that for us. We think, oh, we're not good enough or we feel like we failed or we weren't perfect. And so it comes back to this place of feeling like we're starting at square one when in reality, that's not the case. You know, we can always begin again. Every day, every moment is an opportunity to choose ourselves and to choose what's going to support us feeling our best and to choose our values and how we want to live in alignment with our life, with ourself. Research has suggested that the most successful habit-building practices support some sort of, you know, planning, you're planning what exercise or mood, movement you're going to do. You have reminders set up, right? Those calendar reminders or you have an accountability buddy who's going to join you in class. And then there's some reward at the end, right? There's something that gives you that dopamine hit to reward yourself to remember, "Oh yeah, this feels good and I can keep doing that again." So that kind of cycle can be a supportive container. However, when we design a mindfulness-based ritual around movement, we go even deeper to think about your values, to think about your vision, to think about even potential obstacles that you get to navigate. And we get even a little bit more detailed so that it feels like you're moving again from a place of want and from a place of why it matters. Like for me, I move for my health. That is a biggest motivator for me because I feel good mentally, emotionally, physically, and I know it's good for me. And I want to send that love, that sense of honor to this one mind, one body, one life that I have. And so when we connect really deeply to our values, to our sense of why, that draws a deeper intrinsic place of motivation. And it helps cut through the excuses of the mind or we don't have time or we feel lazy or we're tired or we don't have the money to move or whatever else comes up. It cuts through those excuses and really connects us to a place of intrinsic motivation from a place of gentle want, not from a place of striving, not from a place of have to. So let me pause here and 
welcome in some reflection questions for you and just notice like what are your biggest obstacles when it comes to adding in mindful movement into your day exercise if that's a word that feels better to you what are some potential obstacles that you face and ask yourself what is your why why is adding in mindful movement important to you what values of yours do you get to live and honor what supports making mindful movement fun enjoyable how does your body typically like to move you know, make a list brainstorm what makes it fun is it going with a friend or moving with a partner Is it listening to certain types of music? Is it doing it outside, inside? Is it doing it at a certain type of time of day? And what makes it more enjoyable? Is it listening to a podcast? Is it doing a group class? Is it doing it virtually? Like just tap in and get curious about yourself because when we ask ourselves these questions when we gain awareness with reflection with introspection we then get some answers we get some wisdom to help us make more intentional choices help us design rituals and practices in our life that nourish us that feel really good that support us being our best, most authentic self from a place of inner honoring, not from a place of should or have to, not from a place of punishment, but from this place of want. So as we wind down today's episode, I'm curious to hear what's coming alive for you. You know, as we step into the new year, just a few weeks away, Normally, there's this, you know, cultural push of I'm going to get back to the gym or I need to lose my winter weight or I need to detox from all the holiday drinking and cheese eating and cookies. And all of that reasoning, all of that why sounds very punishing to me. Sounds like it's contributing to this I'm not good enough conversation internally. And I really welcome you to rewrite that. And really explore why is reconnecting or just more deeply connecting to your mindful movement practice important to you? What does it get to help you create in your life? Why do you want to prioritize it? And if you're looking for more support in how to create a ritual around this practice, Sign up at centeredinthecity.org for your seven-day free trial. And through that free trial, I walk you through this ritual building process. And then you have this plethora of resources in the Center in the City library to support you staying accountable, staying inspired, and staying connected to your body and how it wants to move and be in this world. So thanks for listening as always. If you know of a friend that would enjoy this episode, take a moment to share it with them. And until next time, stay centered.